Hi, this is Larry DeTilio, writer for He-Man and Beast Wars, and you are listening to the GeekCast Radio Network. And the masters of the universe! I am Adam, Prince of Eternia and defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is Cringer, my fearless friend. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said... By the power of Grayskull! became the mighty battle cat and I became He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. Only three others share this secret. Our friends, the Sorceress, Man-at-Arms, and Orko. Together we defend Castle Grayskull from the evil forces of Skeletor. Welcome to an all-new generation of the Powers of Grayskull series as we get the origins of any and all Masters of the Universe fans that we can. This is our 135th episode, or chapter, or whatever you want to call it. Of course, I am one of your hosts, TFG and Mike, and joining me, as always, is... Optimus Solo. That's right. And today's guest for the origins, well, we're starting with ourselves. So instead of us asking the questions to each other... I have Skeletor here with us, and he's going to be asking the questions, so when you find folks are hearing this, you'll hear Skeletor ask us the questions, and then you'll hear us give the answers to the 30 questions we have for Masters of the Universe fans from all generations. Yes, even new adventures. Mm. (laughs) So it's time we got into the Grayskull goodness, and we're kicking it off with the first question. Take it away, Skeletor. Did you grow up with Motu? At what age do you remember first noticing the franchise? Well, of course I grew up with Masters of the Universe. What are you, crazy, Skeletor? Because you're old. I was three. Huh? Because you're old. Yes, yes. I was three years old when the Filmation cartoon debuted. I know the toy line debuted a year earlier in 1982. Uh, We were both very young when this thing started. Yeah, I don't really have any memories pre-Transformers, pre-He-Man, or Transformers, really, but especially He-Man. I do remember He-Man being exposed to it before Transformers. It was around since I was like one or two, so obviously I don't remember much from when I was one or two. So my earliest memory is Masters of the Universe would have been part of, um, because we were already watching them. I had older cousins that was not just watching it, but also collecting the toys and things like that. So I remember going to their house and being exposed to the toys and then obviously having toys myself afterwards a little bit. So it's the earliest memories I have are Masters of the Universe. So at what age do I remember first noticing the franchise? whenever my first memories existed. (laughs) I would say for me around the sweet spot, and even though this is kind of sad, but the sweet spot for my memory of watching it as a kid is probably close to when it actually ended, even though I didn't know it was ending. I kind of picked it up. I had the toys. I had the castle. I had all that stuff. But as far as watching the show as a kid, syndication was the king in the 80s. It's not now, but it was then. And you could always catch an episode wherever. 
at some point or another, they always reran those because, you know, as long as you have 65, you've got 65 half hours you can rerun. And I remember watching it all the time. I remember, you know, like I said, I've said before on the show, basically breaking the Secret of the Sword VHS video because I rented it way too many times from the Adventure and Video store that we had had. So, yeah, I'd say somewhere around five, six. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously when most memories are forming, four, five, six. So it's probably the same age for me. Give us the next question, Skeletor. Which Moto series have you watched in their entirety? Filmation, She-Ra, New Adventures, 2002, Netflix She-Ra, Revelation, Live Action Movie. I think question two is just funny for us since we're doing this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would say so. But there has been a lot of new stuff recently. Mm -hmm. So I guess when it comes to which ones have we watched in their entirety, everybody should know that we've seen all of the ones that we've done the podcast for, which would be the Filmation, He-Man, She-Ra, New Adventures 2002. So the ones that have come after. Plus Revelation. Yeah, but I mean, we didn't do like an episode by episode review of that, but. No, and we were never going to. That's just too painful. What? I don't even know what that means. Revelation is incredible. No, I mean doing it episode by episode. Oh, I would do it. But anyways, so the Netflix, She-Ra, the Revelation, and I guess there's another series that attaches the He-Man name to it, even though it's nothing to do with He-Man. Have the power. That would be the CGI Netflix. So which uh, which of those newer series have you seen all the way through? I've seen all the way through all of them, except as we're recording this, we're about I don't know, a week away from season two of the CGI series on Netflix. So I've seen all of them. Okay, I have. I need to catch up on the end of She-Ra, um, the Netflix She-Ra. I haven't seen the last little bit of that. I did watch the first two how many seasons were there? Four? Five. Five. I've seen the first three seasons, so I need to catch up on the last two seasons. I've seen all of Revelation twice, and I refuse to acknowledge that He-Man and the Masters of the Universe exist because it's just He-Man in name only. So it's whatever. We're going to agree to disagree on that, but... Uh, it's garbage. It's such a cash grab. But- Don't get me started on that bullshit. They just put He-Man on there so they can get some money. It has it could should just be called whatever else other sci-fi, fantasy sci-fi name you want to throw out there. It should just be called whatever Masters of the Realm or something stupid because it's the only reason they put He-Man on there was to get money. Anyway, okay then, Skeletor, what say you for the next question? What Moto series is your series? And why? All right. Which one's mine? I mean, that's clearly the one I grew up with. So it's uh, Filmation, He-Man, the original, the OG. But uh, that's not to take away from anything else that's come after it. The only ones I despise are the new adventures and (laughs) the most recent one. And for me, Filmation will always have my heart. However, as an adult, I have to say 2002. 2002 and Revelation for me are so neck and neck. They're so good, both of them. Yeah, 2002 is so good. And Revelation. And no, it has too much Kevin Smith. You, you were singing his praises when we did the review for it. You've had a change of heart, apparently, recently. No, I was not. No, I was not. I was not seeing... I liked certain things, but there were also many things in there that, like, 
the whole Kevin uh, uh, Kevin Smith and Evil In thing, Skeletor and Evil In thing, and the mm, no, that was very Kevin. I can't believe you re- you prefer the CG bullshit over the revelation, which is in- I don't no 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 so, no okay so I'll get into it since you said that I don't I didn't say I preferred it. What I said was the new He-Man and the Masters of the Universe CGI cartoon from Netflix is to what I think kids of today's new, their new journey as to what filmation was for us back in the 80s. There was nothing like He-Man before the filmation cartoon. And that started us on this whole 30, 40, 50 year journey. I think the new CGI series is... Kids of this era is their version of that. That's what I said. I feel sorry for them. Anyways. My God. Skeletor, please give us the next question. What is your opinion on the other series? I mean, if I haven't made my opinion clear on what the other series are, I don't know what you guys have been listening to. But uh, Filmation has got great moments. It's got some dud moment, too, obviously. It was early on, and it was what it was. It wasn't trying to be this you know continuity-based uh, storytelling, which a lot of people prefer. So you, if you judge it on an episode-by-episode basis, which is how it was meant to be viewed, there's good episodes and there's bad episodes, just like every series. So um, I kind of feel neutral to positive on filmation, both He-Man and She-Ra. I think the new adventures is a abomination. Yeah. I think 2002 is phenomenal. If would have been able to finish, it would have been the best series, but it wasn't able to. So for me, it's neck and neck with revelation so far, which I'm waiting to see where they go from next yet. Yeah, revelation has some bad moments as well, but overall it's really good. The visuals are fantastic. I think the characterizations are great. And I'm just looking forward to seeing where that goes. I think the Netflix She-Ra is good for what it is. I think that is what you would say is an introduction to kids of these days into that realm. And it is made for the youth of today. And I think that does a phenomenal job of still staying true to what He-Man actually is, unlike the CGI version, which is called He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which is He-Man in name only. Skeletor, next question. Did you own any Motu toys as a child? If so, do you remember what your very first Motu toy was? Of course we owned the toys. Why would we be doing this if we didn't own the toys, Skeletor? Yeah, I mean, I own more toys now than I did as a child for that series, obviously. Um, and I'm, I'm talking about the actual vintage toys. I have more now than I did before. You're right. Yeah. Before, when I was growing up, I can almost tell you exactly what I had because I think it was like a half dozen. I had the actual He-Man and She-Ra, or excuse me, He-Man and Skeletor. As well as like a battle armor, battle damage, He-Man and Skeletor. And I think I had another one, which was like a flying fist or whatever. So I think I had like three Skeletors and three He-Mans. So I had Sorceress. I had Ratlore. I had one of the rock people. And that might have been it there. I think I'm missing like one or two other ones that I had. But that was about it as far as when I was a child. So I think my first one was just the original He-Man and Skeletor figure. I believe I got them both at the same time, which was probably either at my birthday or Christmas. Very cool. For me, I was very lucky. My mom bought me everything. And I've told this story before, but I... For some odd reason, I kept most of the good guys at my mom's house and most of the bad guys at my dad's house. I mean, obviously, there would be some cross-pollination with having a hero, blah, blah, blah. But Grayskull was at my mom's house, and I was lucky enough to have both Grayskull and Snake Mountain. Snake Mountain was at my dad's house. And I've told this part of the story over and over and over in the last 14 years that I've been podcasting. When I was six years old, my dad said you were 
too old for toys, and he sold them all. All of the ones that I had at his house. Yep. I had Grayskull, I had He-Man, I had Battle Armor He-Man, I had Battle Armor Sky. I, it was so weird. We were creating our, you know, they, they always talk about the multiverses now and the this-verse and the that-verse and the whatever-verse. We were creating multiverses when we were kids in the 80s because I had the regular He-Man, the, the, the like I said, the Battle Armor, regular Skeletor, Battle Armor Skeletor, you know. Mm-hmm. You had all four of those versions. I had Battle Cat. I had Panthor. I had the Sorceress, I think. I know I had two different versions of Zor. I had the... Yeah, I didn't I didn't have the Sorceress. I had Zor. I should correct that. Okay. Yeah, the little Zor accessory or the little Zor... At, like, it was tiny. It wasn't even like a super large thing. It was a tiny little bird thing. I had that. What I ended up... There, there's an infamous picture that's been going around since I've been online with uh, me and my toy box with Castle Grayskull. And I have like the Raven from Mask and Dick Tracy and James Bond Jr. and Cap. Basically, any any other figures other than Masters of the Universe figures in front of my Castle Grayskull. Yeah, I, I did. I think I had Tila as well, and I had a couple of the vehicles. I had like the bones thing that you could put like as a carrion thing for all of the figures, and then I had I think it was called Laser Bolt or something. The red. Uh, laser bolt is the only thing I can think of. It looked like a, like a mouth, like a thing. And then it had two guns next to it and it had three wheels. It had one in the wheel in the front and two wheels in the back. Hmm. So I had that. It was a red one with eyeballs on the side. Uh, so that those were like the only ones I have, but currently I have like, I don't know, 150 of the masters of the universe toys from different lines and stuff like that, including almost, Probably 75 to 80% of the original line I think I have. I need to do a check to see what I'm missing. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to talk about what I have now later because all the stuff I have now is Funko. And it doesn't really – it relates, but it doesn't relate to when we were kids because we didn't have Funko when we were kids, sadly. Right. All right, Skeletor, what's question six? Growing up, did you ever express your fandom in the outside world? Friends role-playing? Dressing up on Halloween, etc. Yeah, I think I remember at least one Halloween dressing up as He-Man. The classic like 80s Halloween costume where you just had the plastic mask type thing mm-hmm. that you wore. And then whatever outfit they gave you. So I think I was He-Man once. I don't remember like 100%. For me, though, He-Man was more of something that I did play with my cousins a couple times. Because like I said, they had a big bench in their like dining room. And you could open the bench and it was storage. And it was full of all of his He-Man toys. So I remember playing with those, but it was more so the early toys and cartoons that I was watching. So it wasn't like Transformers and G.I. Joe where I actually played with those uh, outside with my actual age friends. And we would role play like with the Thundercats Claw and like different things like that. So those cartoons that came afterwards were more the ones that I expressed outwardly, whereas He-Man was more of when I was like really young. So it wasn't something that I really had a lot of uh, outward expression, I guess, in the outside world. And for me, it's kind of the same thing. I was more so doing the whole role play thing at school or the playground or whatever with other franchises like Transformers or whatever else. 
Funny you said you were your He-Man one year. I was Skeletor one year. No surprise there, guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I- I'm not as good as the Skeletor we have uh, asking us the question, so take it away, Skeletor. Who is your end-all, be-all, favorite character from any Motu incarnation? Let it be known there's only one true choice. <laughs> Alright, end all, be all, hero and villain. So we each get two choices. For me, it's so hard. <laughs> no, it really is. For the hero side, it is, it, it's so hard because... There were, like, he's not really the hero of the series, but for irony's sake, I almost want to say Orko. (laughs) Maybe that was for comedy's sake, not irony's sake. Sometimes I feel that I am not appreciated. I mean, how can you go wrong with classic Filmation He-Man or even any of the other versions of of He-Man? Except I think that... I think with He-Man and Prince Adam, even though technically they are the same person, it, it isn't like... It is and it is not like Bruce Wayne dressing up as Batman. I'm, I'm kind of equating it to that, where He-Man is more of the adult side of the character. And while He-Man can still have character growth as He-Man, really the character growth we end up seeing in most of the cartoons is all about Adam. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I for me for the heroes, I did like Stratos as a child, but I wouldn't put him as like my end all be all. Mm-hmm. I I did like the sorceress. I did like Orko, but I think if I had to pick like my end all be all favorite character as we have watched the entire series back and all the different incarnations and whatnot, I think I have to still go with Zodak as my favorite hero. I know he is somewhat of an anti-hero because he kind of stays on the outskirts, but he never is really a villain. So I, I would put him as my all-time favorite hero character would be Zodak. Villains, I man, that's tougher because I liked. I guess I liked a lot more of the villains for some reason. It seems like I liked some of the Snake Men. I liked Merman was probably my favorite as a child, mm-hmm. but I think after the rewatch, it's really a toss up between Skeletor and Evil Lynn. And I, th- mm-hmm. depending on which version of each it is, uh, depending on what series it is, some series I prefer Skeletor slightly, and some series I prefer Evil Lynn slightly. Hmm. Hurry, Skeletor, hurry! I am hurrying, I'm hurrying. So, from any Motu incarnation. <laughs> I'm going to kind of cheat, and I'm going to pick a toy version, because I am going to pick Tongue Lashor for my villain, because I love that toy. I don't know what it was about the Tongue Lasher action figure. That is one action figure I brought everywhere we would go. Yeah, the, a lot of the a lot of the kind of goes into the overall appeal of the toy line and the series in general is that the toys did things that other toys before that didn't like when you got a lot of the lines that came right before this, such as black star, um, I think was a little bit before this, but like, or any of the toy lines in the seventies, really, you know, you think like the big 12 inch GI Joes and things like that were very similar to like what girls were playing with in their Barbies and things like that, which is you could change the outfits. Mm -hmm. You could change some of the accessories, but they were very static. They were, they didn't do things. They didn't have a lot of articulation. And they obviously the, the original He-Man line doesn't have a lot of articulation either, but what they did is they started giving individual figures 
different abilities to do things, whether it was a tongue that came out, whether it was the, the tail that rattled for Rattler, whether it was Triclops's eye change or Manny Face's face change or, you know, different things. There was a lot of different, a lot, especially some of the more tertiary characters that weren't like the main mm-hmm. cartoon characters, especially when you started adding in all the horde and stuff like that. They had a lot of different abilities, whether it was mosquito, mosquito with the blood, things of that nature. So it was something that like made it so that you could have an enjoyment of both a character that you saw on TV, but you could also have a separate or sometimes similar attachment to toys and the characters that did certain things. So that was kind of an interesting way that they kind of differentiated themselves from what had come before. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Skeletor. What are some other Motu characters you like? I mean, I've mentioned some of them. I was not the classic, like, He-Man fan. Like, I didn't just love He-Man and Adam because of whatever. Like, he would probably be down, like, although I appreciated him and uh, realized his importance and was probably rooting for him at times. Like, if I was listing my favorite characters, he wouldn't be in my top five at all. Uh, whereas Skeletor on the one way is just because of how he was portrayed and how funny he was in certain series and things of that nature and the voice work, et cetera. So I, I wouldn't tend to go to He-Man, but I would go to some of those other characters. But since it's Motu in general, I think one thing that I should mention that we've kind of ignored a little bit was the She-Ra characters and some of that. So I did have uh, a liking because, hey, this was the series for females, I guess, for girls. Mm -hmm. That didn't mean that I wasn't exposed to it because I had a sister and things of that nature. And a lot of these characters were semi-attractive or had powers or things of that nature. So I was a fan of a lot of the She-Ra characters, both She-Ra and probably Glimmer a little bit. And then there was a lot of the other ones like Blee Frosta and I can't remember all their names, but like some of those that I, I thought were cool. I didn't like have a strong attachment to them, but I thought they were likable. I didn't like the She-Ra villains as much as the He-Man villains, though. So I wouldn't, I still wouldn't put any of those in there. For me, as far as other characters in the Motu franchise, the overall series, the overall whatever, I more so was interested in Adora mm-hmm. than She-Ra. I mean, don't get me wrong, She-Ra is She-Ra, right? But I wanted there to, and I know this is not the way it was ever going to be in filmation because syndication, blah, 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 writing for television was not really continuity driven at that point. And I mean, yes, there is continuity to it, but the biggest reveal that we got was that she's the twin sister of, like, there was no other, other than the explanation of Hordak stole her as a baby, like... We didn't see, we never saw how Shadow Weaver and Hordak raised her or anything like that. So, I mean, there's character development for Filmation Adora, but there really isn't either at all. Other Cringer, Battle Cat, I, even though I know Panthor is technically supposed to just be there to growl and fight Battle Cat, I wish there was a little bit more to Panthor. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, other characters, I'm trying to think. We saw a whole lot of Moss Man. We saw a whole lot of, like you said, Stratos and and Buzz Off and, and all that. I liked Merman simply for Alan Oppenheimer's voice. Right. Basically Sea Spray, but, but still, same thing. Absolutely. So there are plenty of other characters that I just... 
I just don't know if at this point at 42 years old, even though I like the characters, they're not so fresh in my mind. Even though we, you and I have spent the last decade or so covering all of this stuff, I can barely remember four hours ago, let alone 10 years yeah. ago. <laughs> and I guess that's kind of why we have the podcast. Maybe I should go back and listen to those old episodes. But <laughs> we understand, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm broken. I get it. All right, Skeletor. Are there any Motu characters you hate? Most preferably the blonde, beefy type. Hate's a strong word, so I don't know if I'm going to go all the way to that. But if I was forced, let's just say just He-Man-wise, if I was forced to list three villains and three heroes that I wasn't huge on, for villains, it would be Clawful, Whiplash, and Jitsu. I think Jitsu is just a problematic character in general, just stereotypes, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But Clawful and Whiplash yeah. just are blah to me. They just don't bring much pizzazz or they don't have that it factor uh, that you're looking for. Yeah, they're basically dumber versions yeah. of Beast. And Man. then for the good side, I was never a fan of Tila. She has been represented better in certain stories on certain lines or whatever but i was never a fan of her growing up but if i had to go with uh two other ones i, I wasn't huge on fisto it's a weird name first of all and i was never big on queen marlena and some situations she's been real bad oh, as if. <laughs> that's one of the downfalls of or not downfalls that's one of the downsides bad points of revelation is how they do queen marlena and that and i'm sorry the voice work is terrible on her but those were some that i didn't gravitate towards a whole lot. I think if you're talking She-Ra, I mean, Bo's whatever. <laughs> like, not great. And then the voice work of, uh, shoot, what's Glimmer's queen? Uh, uh, Angela. Angela was kind of a blah from a voice standpoint. And then there was a couple of villains in that series that were just kind of whatever. But those are the ones that come to my mind. What about you? If you had stopped talking earlier, I would have said. As if. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, anyway. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, hate technically is a strong word. In general, I'm not a fan of the Snake Men, even though I put Tongue Lashor as one of my favorite characters. I just like the way the toy is and whatever. But overall... In I liked Rattler and Cobra Khan. They were all right. Yeah, I've, I was never a fan of them. And King Hiss was the worst. I just, yeah, King Hiss is probably one of the worst out of them. I just could not... I, Snake face. Yeah. Oh, no. You know, for good side, I don't want to throw him under the bus, even if I could find him to throw him under a bus. But Luki, <laughs> guess? I, I don't know. Like, I mean, there are, if, if people go back and you listen to our Filmation He-Man episodes, episode 1 through 30, 1 through 45, there's a couple of, like, other character like Ed Weiner and other characters that we can't stand that we don't like, but that's like and cousin Jeremy. Oh fuck, cousin Jeremy. A lot of side characters that you didn't like. Yeah, there were a lot of side characters, but like for the main characters, there weren't a lot. like it depended on what they were doing. It depended on, you know, what Skeletor was doing to them because they didn't do the job right kind of thing. Agreed. It is what it is. All right, Skeletor, you can stop uh, punishing your, your minions now and give us the next question, please. Over your lifetime as you get older, did your interest in the Motu franchise grow stronger or get weaker? 
I think for this one, as does everything in life, it comes in waves and, you know, it goes up and it goes down type of thing. There are some things that I've watched and then it was basically hit a point where I was done with it forever type thing, I guess. But most things that I was a big time fan of as a child have come in spurts. So it's like it faded away because it got overtaken by other stuff. So like, for example, this one, um, you know, as Transformers G.I. Joe, Thundercats, Silverhawks, Turtles, etc. Each new flavor of the week came. Another one gets knocked down and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think the difference between this one is that it has popped up at specific points. So it's not necessarily my interest that has gone. My interest has always been there with Motu. I've never had a moment where I was just like weak on it. It was just, was it relevant? Was there mm -hmm. something new for me to bite into, et cetera? And He-Man has a little, Motu has a little different story than say Transformers or GI Joes, which I think we'll get into in a future question here. But yeah, it's grown stronger and weaker, but that's not because my interest was less. It was just there was less of me to partake in. Yeah, it's one of those things that I've said recently is that the 80s for us was full of choice and full of waves. So if you take, let's say, G.I. Joe Real American Hero, He-Man, Transformers, Thundercats, Silverhawks, and Turtles. So that's 1982 to 1987. Mm-hmm. Even though those shows had whatever runs that they had during those five years, that's five years of content for kids that you could go from one to the other. And we enjoyed so much of it as kids. And for me... And you have so much time as a child. We don't think of that. Yeah. Like when you're an adult, you don't have a lot of time. But when you're a child, five years is a long time. Think of your life from your fifth birthday to your 10th birthday or from your 10th birthday to your 15th birthday. You consume a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So I I don't think – like my fandom is still there and my, you know, my, my love of the franchise is still there. But like you said, it depends on if there is – like we've been waiting – if it hits 2027 and there's no live action film, 40 years we have been waiting for a new live action film. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just have a feeling it's not going to do it justice when we finally get it. I, I, I don't, I don't think it is either because I don't think the, the problem. And I don't want to get on this whole soapbox, but I'm just going to say this is a blanket statement. Hollywood from the late 70s up until the year 2000 and maybe five years past that. Amazing. You had all these actors, you had all these movies, you had everything, not just He-Man, not just whatever, but just the, the whole gamut of, of the entertainment industry from 1979 to 2008, you know, like those years we had, like you, you could envision, Dolph Lundgren as a, you know what? As long as he's still alive in 2027 and he wants to reprise, I've seen Dolph Lundgren in a lot of good movies lately. The man has kept up his physique and this, that, and the, so I wouldn't mind seeing Dolph as he been again. But my point here in saying this is that nowadays, every time I see a casting news for anything Motu, I'm like, who is that person? <laughs> Because I'm not so in tuned to, like, oh, 
Eddie Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, Lethal Weapon. Oh, Bruce Willis and the worst Christmas movie of all time. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Like, it was more, even though we had less access to it 40 years ago, it was more of those actors and actresses doing more. Like, you saw Bruce Willis in so many films. You saw Mel Gibson in so many films outside of the ones that they're famous for kind of thing. Like, you, we knew who they were. Now that we are the ages that we are, 40s, whatever, you know, I don't know what these, you know kids in there did you just call die hard a bad movie Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. i don't know what these young kids and their hipping and their hopping are doing anymore anyway skeletor let's uh ask us the next question please sir was there ever a moment in your life where you were through with everything moto and the thing with this question is is it's more of a it's more of a moving on thing like I was mentioning earlier about those five years that we just moved on from one thing to the other thing to the other thing as far as watching it when it aired with those five things I mentioned Motu has never gone anywhere for me because the stuff I love and enjoy has always been there and will always be there at least until I die who knows when that's going to be but point is what I love about the franchise is still there, no matter whether they create new stuff or not. Yep. So, all right, Skeletor, question 12, sir. When there wasn't a current Motu series airing, how did you keep your fandom alive? Rewatch old series? Write fanfic? Draw art? Toys? Comics? Etc. I think that's an interesting one for me because. This is where I'm going to go back to what I was saying earlier with the reason it was different from, say, Transformers, G.I. Joe, uh, a few things like that. Okay, I didn't know New Adventures existed, I don't think, for decades until we did this. So take that out because for me that was like – that was akin to like generation two transformers. Like that's not a real thing. That's just like a, that's just some weird like thing that they're doing to like, whatever. (laughs) So like, I don't know, like, so take new adventures out of the equation in my mind. When I think about He-Man, we had a series in the early eighties. This isn't like turtles. This isn't like, you know, whatever, whatever that was in the mid to late eighties. This was early eighties. Granted, we had syndication at different times for different series that would, you know, reruns, et cetera, et cetera. But it's main run, it's main relevance, toys being on the shelves, people talking about it, et cetera, was early 80s. We go until 2002 before there's another thing that brings it back into the forefront. When you think about, let's just use two things, for example. When you think about Star Wars and Transformers, you can maybe even throw G.I. Joe in there but especially Star Wars and Transformers, there has almost never been a year, a full year in my lifetime where those things haven't been on the toy shelves. So Star Wars has always been on there. Yes, there was expanded universe and some weird stuff going on, you know, in the late 
late 80s, early 90s before we started getting the prequels and the sequels and the Disneyverse and all this other stuff. But Star Wars has always remained on the shelves. Transformers, for the most part, has always remained on the shelves. There might have been a little brief, brief time periods where they weren't, but it was basically G1, G2, Beast Wars, Beast Machines, Unicron Trilogy, you know, Prime, Classics, et cetera, et cetera. It's always been reinventing itself and going on live action movies, et cetera, et cetera. He-Man, we had a 20-year stretch with nothing. So it's just a little bit different. So it's not that... I didn't, it wasn't relevant for a long time. It wasn't that there was no interest. It was just buried under other stuff. So there was a long time where there was no series airing. So how did I keep my fandom alive? I didn't necessarily do anything to keep it alive. It still was existing. It still was there, but it wasn't, there wasn't anything that I did to try to, I didn't do any fanfic. I didn't draw art. I didn't really even collect the toys for a long time. I didn't rewatch the series that much until later on this is you know after 2002 probably spawned me to watch that and then rewatch some of the old stuff and then we did the podcast etc so there wasn't much active involvement in me in the fandom in any ways i wasn't visiting message boards or websites like i did with transformers fandoms etc as i've mentioned throughout the last 40 minutes of the episode so far for me things come and go in waves as you've already said as well by 1983 Seven when She-Ra ended, because there were several He-Man crossovers in there outside of Secret of the Sword, so we did see some of He-Man continuing on in animation in 86 and 87. 1987, Turtles hit. 1989 to 1990, Simpsons hit. In 1990, when I saw the intro, just the intro, not not even the full episode, just the intro music and the intro whatever to New Adventures, I'm like, ooh, my He-Man is back. And then 22 minutes later or 30 minutes later or whatever it was with commercials, this is not my He-Man. And I just moved on to other things, you know, 1990. By that time, I was in the middle of the Nintendo cartoons. So Super Mario Brothers Super Show, Super Mario Brothers 3, Super Mario World, Legend of Zelda, Captain and the Game Master, all that kind of stuff. You know, and my enjoyment of Masters of the Universe has never, ever faded, nor will it ever. But it's just, like you said, it's not so much in the forefront of your mind. And it's funny you mentioned message boards. When I got fully into fandom somewhere around two thousand somewhere between two thousand six and two thousand eight. Between two thousand six and December of two thousand eight when I started when I started the TFG one podcast. At some point or another I learned about Heman.org and their message boards. At that time, and I still have this email address, and it is what it is, not that I really care, but it was, you know, my hotmail address. I went on heman.org to join their forums. We're sorry, we don't accept you know applications to join the forums from this email. And I'm like, "Wait, what?" Huh? I couldn't even get into the damn <laughs> heman.org forums. Like, so I had no it isn't like tfw2005.com, which is the Transformers forums, and I don't even want to get into that discussion, but it isn't like that where I got in and I realized how much of a Toxitron that board is at times. But the He-Man forums, I could never get in. I could never get on them. And I just, okay, sure, fine. And by that time, we were about ready to start Powers of Grayskull series. And, you know, 
it's funny because we're recording this and I hopefully I can have him on to do this with me for his own personal He-Man journey. I just recorded and released an episode of ToyCast a couple of weeks ago with Scott Toy Guru Knightlick, who used to work at Mattel, who worked on classics and everything else. And we went through the toy cast, you know, toy collecting questions with him. So I'm sure he'd be up to come on here. There you go. Yeah. There you go. All right, Skeletor, what's the next question that we got? With the internet giving birth to the fans all having a voice about what they like or don't like about Motu, do you find that your voice gets lost in the shuffle? Or do you just shout louder? <laughs> I love hearing Skeletor ask that question. <laughs> I, so, folks, the, the Origins questions when it comes to Transformers and now here with Masters of the Universe, I have always had this question, and I've always phrased it the way that it is phrased, with the internet giving birth to the fans all having a voice, yada, yada, yada. So... For me, I like surrounding myself with like-minded people for the most – I would say 85% of the time, the people that I surround myself with, we generally agree on the same things. It's perfectly fine that we disagree on things. It's not the end of the world. I mean, am I going to throw away a 14, 15-year friendship just because – Mr. Solo over there wants, you know, would rather have mac and cheese than watch He-Man and the Masters of the Universe on Netflix. No, I don't care. That's that's his opinion. I have a different opinion. It's fine. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, I mean, as podcasts go, it would be boring if we agreed on everything. So I prefer to have different opinions as long as it's respectable and, you know, this, that, and the other. So, like, the, yeah. the nonsense that was being spouted on almost all social media outlets when Revelation was coming out or before it came out was nauseating and that type of conversations I want nothing to do with. So I will shout louder then or just leave those conversations because that's just nonsense. Just... Mm-hmm. stupid yeah but uh I, I i don't feel like we we i'm gonna speak for you i don't feel like we have <laughs> needed to talk louder we've just talked more we just have more uh because we have like 150 episodes of this nonsense talking about motu so 135 yeah this is the 135th chapter of the powers right of so series. we have over 125 <laughs> yeah uh, i, I chances to talk to you about Motu. So we didn't need to talk louder because we were just talking to ourselves anyways, that you couldn't talk over us because we're recording it separately. <laughs> right. And I think the same thing with this question is more so again on those message boards, like, okay, let's say for example, I was able to get in with my hotmail e- email address back in the day. And most forums have like a, Hey, introduce yourself to us kind of thread. Mm-hmm. At the time in 2007, 2008, I would have said, my name is Mike, I'm blah, 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 I grew up watching He-Man, blah, 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 I like this, this, and this, hope everyone has a nice day. And this is what I meant about the Toxitron stuff that ends up sometimes on the, the, the other boards. If I say I like something and somebody comes back and says, oh, you can't like that. That's wrong. You know, I'm like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to argue with like arguing over whether the sword needs to be silver or purple. That's just dumb. (laughs) There's a purple sword. There's a silver sword. They were toys. That's it. Yeah. 
And I like how they work those into the fiction too. Even though originally those the, the, the two have thing, like I think over the over the times that Motu has been, how they've worked that aspect of the fact that it's just two halves of the same sword. I like how they've worked it into the fiction, so Yeah. So yeah. Alright, Skeletor. Is there any music from the franchise that stands out to you the most? For half a second there, I was expecting him to play a flute. <laughs> I have to be careful here because I know how I am, even though I may only include a three-second clip or something with this question, because I generally love all of the Filmation He-Man music. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you're a very musical person. I've seen your wedding video when you were singing and everything else, and you like music in general. You know what I mean? But you know what I mean? Like, I know that you are a musical person. I just don't know... Music is not something you and I have talked about. For me, when my musical tastes are such that I prefer music that has lyrics, I prefer songs, I prefer singing, I prefer that side of it. I'm very much anti-instrumental stuff. <laughs> I don't, I shouldn't say anti, but like, I don't gravitate. I'm not going to listen to instrumental music in my spare time. Now, that doesn't mean I don't appreciate soundtracks and instrumental music that is attached to things like Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Lord of the Rings and things of that nature because they're just iconic and they're, they're, they set the mood and that type of stuff. Yeah. But for me, when I'm asked, is there any music that stands out to me, it's always going to be ones with words. So yeah. for me, it's the intro, the original Filmation intro, and it starts and ends there. Like, uh, Not to say I didn't like some of the instrumental stuff done throughout the series, but I could never point to my finger to like a specific theme and be like, well, this music they play when they're in Eternia or something like that. Like, I'm not going to be able to do that because it doesn't stick with my mind. The overture for Eternia is great for filmation. The Orco music that, 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 I'm <laughs> doing it wrong, but you know what I mean? Every time the music, every time Orko pops up, he has his own theme. I like the royal theme. I wish they used that a little more. And I wish whatever the next series ends up being past Revelation and past the CGI stuff. I want to get more – like, you know how we always – most of us, not all of us, but a lot of us will remake – and I, I'm one of these people, so I'm I'm lumping myself in here too, folks. Remake again. Reboot again. Uh, why isn't there anything original in Hollywood? Well, that's because IP needs to stay up and whatever else. So my point here is – we have always folk, and I know this is probably never going to happen again. This is like what's his name, Kyle Higgins, asking, even though he was able to write it, but asking for an adult version, a, a more adult power. Not Kyle Higgins, J Jason David Frank, who played Tommy Oliver Power. I know you're out of the Rangers thing, but the point is, Jason David Frank, who played the original Green and White Ranger on the original '90s Power Rangers series, has always said, as a person and as an actor. He wants a more adult live. So for me, if they were ever to able to do something, because most toy companies now have two lanes. 
They have the child lane to hook all your kids. And they have the lane for us adult collectors who want to be children in our 40s so we can relive our childhood kind of thing. So for me, what I would love to see, even if it was just an opening three-parter, not necessarily repeating what 2002 did, I want to see basically the as bad as this is going to sound because I know it sounds like me asking for Anakin and, and Padme's love story in Attack of the Clones. I want to see Randor and Marlena. I want to see how, like, before they had Adam and Adora kind of thing. Hmm. And then you could always flash forward it, too, after they've had them. I see. I would prefer to see uh, much further into the future than much in further into the past, but that's just me. Oh, so you want to see King He-Man with Queen Tila. Got it. No, no, no. I want to see, uh, like, a He-Man, She-Ra crossover where they were both, just, you know, whatever, doing stuff to save the world together for a while. Yeah. The reason why I say that is that happened in the comics from DC. Anyway. All right, Skeletor, take it away. Have you ever rewatched any of the series later on in your life? If so, how often do you go back and rewatch any of the Motu cartoons? I think with this one, we've kind of already answered. <laughs> 135 episodes. If we don't have an answer by now in the last decade. As far as how often are we going to go back and rewatch it, though, it has dwindled to almost nothing now. <laughs> See, that's the thing. When you're a podcast host and you decide to do a specific overall genre podcast on a show and you've spent the last decade of your life going through every aspect of all of it, you're not going to want to go through with it again. No. You're not going to want to go back and rewatch I'll watch the live that's action was- movie every once in a while and I'll probably watch Revelation, yeah. again, at Revelation again at some point. But uh, I, I'm pretty good on the rest of it for a long time. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was saying in another episode you and I recorded recently about the Transformers. Because I went through for our countdown and watched all 98 episodes of G1 last year in 2021. It's probably going to be the 40th anniversary before I'm going to want to watch even though I have episodes that I love that I could go back to watch, I'm in the process of moving on and doing other podcast things and doing other stuff. So, yeah. I mean, right now we don't go back and rewatch most of it, but if we had not done this podcast series, you know, I'd probably go back maybe every couple of months and catch mm. an episode here or there. Yeah. All right, Skeletor, what do you got? Have you ever read any of the Motu comics? If so, which ones? Do you have any favorites? This question's for you. Um, my answer is the ones that Mike has forced me to. <laughs> yes. I don't have time for reading. Sorry. <laughs> so, okay, here, here's the thing with you and I. It's not that you don't have – don't say you don't have time for reading. It is so hard. I have three novels of Star Wars that I've meant to read for the last year and a half that I can't get to. Well, yes, but that's also because you've had a child, you know, and and all of that. But the thing of it is, is your media focus is, again, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but your media focus is the cartoons, the movies, the this, the that. And obviously it's not just on He-Man, Transformers, whatever. It's on what, what whatever visual medium you're, you're 
with, you know, whatever. And the only reason why I've offered you the comics is because I don't, you know, this is our show. I don't want to sit here and say, I'm TFG and Mike, and I am the master of powers of grace. Like, the whole point is it's our show. As long as we generally agree and I bring something to you and you say, yeah, I don't have time for that right now. Maybe you could find, and you've said that a couple of times and that's fine. And I make up some excuse of how you've gotten dragged off to the, you know, fright zone or something or other, whatever, you know? So I do plan on reading most of the comics at one point. Yeah. I mean, we do have a, a future plan that you'll hear a little bit of at the end of this episode, folks. So, the comics. <laughs> Keep it short and sweet. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. I, w- I wish Skeletor was actually here live with us because he would have a whole lot to say on this. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is question number 16. And for those of you that may or may not know, my buddy Adas Baron is the voice of the Skeletor you've been hearing. He does. I. I had to voice direct him. I wanted him to go darker, more towards 2002, less of the filmation funny kind of thing. So anyway, he is the one that generally joins me for the Motu comics, and we've covered most of them. I enjoy them. They're okay, but I have not gone back and reread any of them. Mm, Just haven't. Yeah. All right. But, I mean, they're not... Again, it it isn't like I read a comic and was like, oh my god, I can never be associated with He-Man ever again. It's not that at all. They, some of them were good. I enjoyed some of them. They're all right. Okay, Skeletor, quit playing with your toys and ask us the next question, please. How big is your Motu toy collection? How big is my what? Oh, how big is my Motu toy collection? It is 125 plus. So it was 125 last time I counted. I've bought some stuff since then, so it's more than that. Most, let's say, probably a third of that is the original line. Third of that is probably the classic slash origin slash lines that have come out in the 2000s. And then I have all of, almost all of the Revelation figures that have come out, except for one, I believe. I'm missing one. And then I have some random other stuff, kind of offshoots and whatnot. So over 125. I have 10. My toy collection is bigger than yours. Yes, it is. I have 10 <laughs> Funko Pops of Masters of the Universe. And so, again, trying to keep this short, but from... 2005 to 2011, I had a regular, everyday action figure, robot, transformer, He-Man collection. Sometime in 2012, just after we started this podcast, my mom said, I've been carrying this thing around for 30 years. It's your turn. And she gave me my original Castle Grayskull. Now, my original Castle Grayskull, sadly, is just a, a shell of its former self. It doesn't have it didn't have the 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 plate, the the chair the the frame, the holder where you put the chair, where you open the trap door. It didn't have any of that. Mm. It did not it had one of the two uh turret stands. So basically the left one above the window or the right one above the window. Didn't even have the jaw bridge anymore, sadly. But my mom had been lugging this thing around, moving from city to city, town to town over the years, over 30 years. And she's like, yep, nope, I'm done. 
so in 2012, I grab it and by, I think, the time my mom passed away, it died with her. So fun fact, folks, I try my best to keep my apartment as clean as I possibly can, except sometime at the end of 2014, the beginning of 2015, right before my mom passed away, I had just gotten, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure I have these years right. I don't remember, and somebody can correct me. This is right as the Queen Marlena SDCC figure came out from Masters Classics. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Future TFG and Mike here, and what I'm saying about Queen Marlena when she was released versus when I had to give her up or let her go. She was actually released in 2011. Can you believe that Comic-Con 2011 is now just a few days away Yada yada yada. This is coming from the Foosh. I will put the post in the. I will put the link in the post on the website. And yeah, the Queen Marlena action figure was SDCC 2011. So even though I ended up giving her up or letting her go because of the bugs in 2014, she was actually released in 2011. So now, back to the show. God, I forgot how good this figure was. Anyway. Back to the podcast. As if. Where she had both the queen outfit and the outer space outfit. So I'm like, ooh, yeah, I have a Queen Marlena now. And I had had other classics figures at the time, so I was just, you know, posing them with, you know, the the old castle. And picked up Queen Marlena one day and picked up Castle Grayskull one day in late 2014, early 2015. A bug came out of Queen Marlena's dress. And then I looked at Grayskull and I'm like, give me a big garbage bag. See you later. <laughs> Just could not deal with it anymore at all. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So my Motu toy collection right now is basically Funko Pops. And I enjoy it. I think it's fun because I try my best not to just get the standard he-Man, Skeletor, blah, 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 blah. I have the Prince Adam. I have the King Randor. I have the blue... Ver- I originally had the purple, the more show-accurate version of, of Evelyn. And I think I still have that. It might be in storage. But out of the ones here that I have, I have the new blue, the more toy-accurate version. I have Slime Pit He-Man for, from Funko. So... Slime Pit not included. Slime Pit not needed. They already did it for me. So I've got that. I've got Terror Claws Skeletor. And then I've got Grizzlor and Merman. Nice. And then the the other two I have, which I still have to take out of the box, but Funko does this art series stuff where they do all kinds of designs and whatever. Well, He-Man is like gray skull green color and Skeletor is purple snake mountain color. So, you know, got to have those. And then I have He-Man on Battle Cat Flocked. There you go. Yep. Good stuff. Absolutely. Skeletor, take it away. What is the one Motu toy you could never part with ever? Or the one toy you wish you had that you don't. I, I don't know if there's a toy I could never part with ever, but any of the original vintage line that's in good shape, if they're not loose, if they're, you know, in decent overall shape, I probably would not part with those just to part with them. Uh, as far as something I wish I had that I didn't, I don't really have a big wish list when it comes to Motu. Maybe the Fright Zone playset from the original. 
or the Eternia playset because I have Snake Mountain and Castle Grayskull, so I don't have those other two playsets. I don't have a lot of the vehicles, but it's not like it's something that I'm dying for. Once I do my run through of what I have from the original line, there will be some that are on a wish list of completing it, I guess. But yeah, I, I'm not selling anything or getting rid of it unless it's in bad shape and I'm trying to replace it with a better shape one, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I also phrase this question as in like, if the house is on fire, but every human and pet is safe, what would you run in and save kind of thing? Hmm. And for me, if I'm only picking one, it's got to be that Slime Pit He-Man. Because that Slime Pit He-Man Funko Pop, again, like I said, our parents loathed that Slime Pit. That Slime Pit made things so dirty. Yeah. (laughs) Such a mess. It would be hard for me to grab just one thing. I don't have one that stands out above the other, so that's hard. And for me, just out of design standpoint, if I was only going to grab XXX, it would be that that the, the art series pops because I really I I need to make my next YouTube video on on the Funko Pop Masters of the Universe art series He Man and Skeletor because they really are cool. All right, Skeletor, get your wallet out. What was the most money you spent? on a Motu toy item, ever. You know, you would think with as many toys as I have that I'd have some story of one that cost a bunch or something like that, but I actually hit the gold mine or the jackpot, whatever you want to say, a year, year and a half ago on eBay. I found somebody that was selling off almost their entire collection, it seemed like. They were in spectacular condition, great shape. And there was ones that I got for like a dollar, five dollars, six dollars, eight dollars. Mm-hmm. So overall, the entire haul was a little expensive, but each individual component was not very expensive. I think probably the most I've ever spent would be when I was building my hero and villain collection. I think I rebought either a He-Man or a Skeletor, the original one, because mine was a little bit more loose and I wanted one in a better condition. So I think maybe that was probably 40 bucks, maybe 30 bucks. I don't spend a lot on my Motu stuff. Yeah, and for my Motu stuff, I mean, in relative to what Funko, you know, Funko actually has stores charging for figures, I would say that the art series pops were the most expensive ones at just around $50 each, only because it, and Funko is, is this whole other realm of things, but that was the aftermarket eBay price. Yeah. And you know, it, it is what it is, but mm-hmm. this question here is more, again, when we do the all things transformers episodes of origins, when I can tell the story of, I spent $800 on the 2008 botcon set along with everything to go with all the, all the extra things. But that was a set of five figures plus, you know, three or four more figures. But as far as like one individual item, I think the most that was ever spent was whatever the original price of Castle Grayskull was in 82. Yeah. I did buy Birdman's Dodd's collection of He-Man stuff, uh, including Castle Grayskull, just to kind of do him a solid and to add some pieces to my collection. But again, that was a that was a a haul. It wasn't just an individual thing. So there was multiple things together. So all right, Skeletor, time to get fictitious on us. 
if you could create any Motu fiction toy, cartoon, comic, etc., what would it be? And what story would you want to tell with it? I kind of have already said it. I want to see something, if I'm creating fiction specifically, I want to see something before the twins are born. I want to see how Marlena and Randor are before all that happens. And then, I like, so that would be like the first half of the story. So let's say the if i'm if i'm giving if i'm getting like netflix 30 minutes time no commercials the first 15 minutes would be pre birth of children the last 15 minutes might be like 40 50 60 years in the future when they're almost dead and adam and adora are doing whatever they're doing as adults kind of thing what about you this would be fairly easy for me i would finish the 2002 series <laughs> Me too. So I would I would write a conclusion to it. I would I would take on after the fact, go with the Snake Man, introduce Hordak, and we would finish that story. Yep. All right, Skeletor, don't get all parental on us. Do you have a my parents got rid of my toys story? I've kind of already told this story. I said it at yep. the beginning of the episode, but do you have a my parents got rid of my toys story? My mom had a garage sale once upon a time. Uh, she knew better than to put any Transformers in it. But I did lose, um, I think I lost a couple G.I. Joe things, but I lost most of my Motu collection, which wasn't huge. But I believe Tila, um, some of my He-Mans and Skeletors, the various ones I had, uh, things like that. I, I, luckily, some of it didn't sell, so I got to hold on to it. But I know I lost a few figures there. I lost a Silverhawks figure there. Um I was pretty angry when I got home from my friends and realized that she had even done that. But at least she knew not to put my Transformers in there. There you go. All right, Skeletor, you've been very vocal to this point. Let's talk about some more acting. What are some of your favorite voice performances over the course of the franchise? <laughs> this question is too hard to answer. There's, we've talked about us in ad nauseum in all the other podcasts. So, I mean, I think when it comes to Alan Oppenheimer, that's the first name that pops into my head um, just because of all the different stuff he did for filmation, not, at, you know, Moss man, I guess in the most recent with revelation, but he's the one that comes to my mind first and foremost. Uh, I think there's been individual performances though, that have been good in each series. And there hasn't been a lot of garbage outside of, I wasn't a big fan of Orko's voice in the 2002 version. I wasn't a big fan of Queen Marlena and a couple, there was one other voice that drove me nuts. I can't remember which one from Revelation, but uh, overall, Alan Oppenheimer, um, I think there's been other good versions of Skeletor and He-Man along the way. Uh, Merman's voice has usually been pretty good. So those are the, the ones that come to my mind right away. Except when he's dressing up for Halloween as Batman. <laughs> I love you, Kevin Conroy, and it's I know it's not your fault, but that was a mis miscast role. Yeah, not my favorite merman. Well, it's just more misdirected. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't that it was miscast, they just didn't tell him to do anything to make it well, merman. And again, it, I <sighs> Okay, there are vo you know we we should do a whole episode on another show all about voice acting, but there are voice actors like Rob Paulson, Maurice LaMarche, obviously Mel Blanc and Frank Welker that can do a thousand different character versions. Even when he's just speaking in his normal regular voice, 
I hear Bruce Wayne Batman with Kevin Conroy. It doesn't matter what yeah. role he's in. That's what I hear. For sure. Okay, so f- I think uh, Lena Headley though is like yes, uh, Eva Lynn in this good. most recent one. Fantastic Man at Arms in the Revelation. I, I'm blanking on the name of the voice actor, but he was phenomenal. Um, the other dude from from Game of Thrones, I can't yeah, remember uh, what his we'll, name is. We'll look but. it up later. For me, if I'm going to pick a favorite voice performance, I love Alan Oppenheimer. I do. I absolutely love him. But I love that darkness that, that Brian Dobson did, or Michael Dobson. One of the Dobson brothers. I forget which one it is off the top of my head from 2002. So if I'm picking, I'm going to pick John Irwin He-Man and... The 2002 Skeletor. Oh, sounds good. All right, Skeletor. Maybe you should be answering this question. Who is He-Man's most formidable enemy? Skeletor, Hordak, or King Hiss? I mean, seriously. Who, who, who's writing these things? I thought there was only one possible answer. Like, ho- a snake man? Come on. Oh, this is my favorite part of the, the episode here. We're getting into the fun questions now. Who's He-Man's most formidable enemy? Skeletor, Hordak, or King Hiss? This is an easy one. If you've watched all of the episodes of all the different cartoons, it, um, Hordak is more powerful than both of those other two. He is, but who's the more formidable one? Like, uh, you're right. Skeletor never bests He-Man, really. I mean... Yeah, that's true. Hordak bests both Skeletor and King Hiss. That's, that's true, but they're not. But the question isn't about who Hordak is going up against. It's about you know, we never really. Okay, I mean, technically, He Man handed Hordak his ass in the Secret of the Sword. I mean, yes, Hordak trapped him, but once he got loose, uh, it's kind of all all over for Hordak. I don't know. Yeah. That's a and it's kind of it's kind of like the Tootsie Roll Pop. It's a answer we'll never know. Yeah, I guess it depends on how much you're going to go by like the 2002 series because mm-hmm. that one certainly sets it up for Hordak to be the yeah. the end all be yeah. all. So, all right, Skeletor, who are you questing with? If you had to go on a quest and could only have three evil warriors or masters of the universe with you. Who would you select to be on your team? No He-Man or Skeletor. <laughs> Mike, what do you got on this one? I know mine. I am going to pick Man-at-Arms. Decent pick. Stratos. And just for fun, Tongue Lashor. <laughs> that makes no sense. I get, I get your Man-at-Arms one because he's resourceful. Yeah engineering style, et cetera. Maybe you need Stratos to fly. What purpose would Tongue Lash play? I don't know. (laughs) All right, Mike and my tribe will beat yours easy then. I'll go with Zodak. I'll go with the Sorceress. And with the third one, I guess you can throw He-Man in there. I can't pick him. No, you can't uh, use... Zodak, Sorceress, and... Since that's a lot of magic, I guess I won't throw Hordak or Eva Lynn in there. I'll just go with Man-at-Arms like you did. I was going to pick Mechanic, but there's only so many ways you can use a long neck. All right, Skeletor. Look out. I need a roommate. If you could live in any of the following places, which would it be? Castle Greyskull, the Royal Palace, Snake Mountain, the Fright Zone, 
a bright moon. So from a comfort level, if that it depends on what you're choosing. Like from a comfort level, the royal palace would be your selection because there's nothing that's more with it more amenities and more mm-hmm. people, staff, and things of that nature. Castle Grayskull would be the place where you're most protected. Yep. Uh, Snake Mountain and the Fright Zone would be odd choices for somebody to pick. Yep. Um, I could see somebody picking Bright Moon if they like the outdoors, they like camping, or they just want to be around, I guess, a lot of girls type thing in that situation. Mm-hmm. Bo included. <laughs> so for for me, I guess it would come down to either the Palace or Grayskull. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I guess I'll pick Grayskull. <laughs> It's not that far of a trek to Grayskull, so I guess I'll pick the palace. All right. Skeletor, are you sure you have your license yet? No way, does he? No way. If all of the Moto vehicles existed in real life, which would you want to own, drive, or pilot the most? All right, I'm going to answer question 26 first because I don't, as a kid, even though I know I could never do this, but. We all had, most of us had big wheels as as kids in the 80s. I always wanted to drive or ride on the sky sled. Yeah. So much of the stuff that was available, especially in the toy line, was more land vehicles with wheels and things of that nature. So there would be a lot of those to choose from, but I don't think you can pass that up when you have something like the Wind Raider. Uh, Sky Sled would be similar, but uh, either one of those, something that's going to fly is going to be where I'm going to choose. Yep, absolutely. All right, Skeletor, get planetary here with us. Which planet would you choose to live on? Eternia, Etheria, so thank God this is coming to a close soon because your puns keep getting worse and worse and <laughs> they're not even dad jokes on your standpoint. Uh-huh. So, all right. Um, Eternia, Etheria, Trala, the safest place, Trala. That would be the one where you have to least to worry about. There's not any evil stuff coming after you unless they go through like portals and things of that nature, but it's also like living at like Willy Wonka land. So I don't know how much you want to do that or not. Uh, I'm still deciding. What do you think, Mike? I don't think I would ever pick Etheria only because, I mean, if it's Etheria after Hordak's defeat, sure, I'll pick Etheria. But if it's Etheria before Hordak's defeat, you're basically an enslaved people. Yeah. You know, so I... Trala has too much magnet... Magnets. Too much magic and dumbassery at times. I found the way to answer this question, Mike. Okay. All right. If I am 10 years old or less, uh-huh. I'm living in Trala okay. because that seems to be a good place for kids to live. Lots of fun, etc. magic, etc. If I am like 12 to 25, I'm living in Etheria because hormones. And then if I'm an adult, I'm going to live in Eternia. Yeah, that's that's a good way to answer that question. (laughs) Obviously, the 80s was a great time for action cartoons aimed at boys. Why did Motu stand out amongst the crowd for you? What made you a fan? All right. Oh, boy, the 80s. 
Yeah, the 80s was a great time for action cartoons aimed at boys. That is for dang sure. So what made Motu stand out for me amongst the crowd? Well, here's where I will go with that. Since it came first for me, as far as action cartoons that I gravitated towards, was a fan of, was number one on my list before anything else came out. Mm-hmm. Why did it do that? Well, up to that point, obviously I wasn't alive in the 70s, but the stuff that came before it that I would have been exposed to and things of that nature just came across more boring to me. The stuff like Thundar the Barbarian, Black Star, all the stuff that's just kind of in that He-Man mold that came first just didn't have that it factor, didn't have that wow factor. And something about Motu and maybe it was because of the toys and all the different things you could do with it. Like I talked about with the blood and the necks and the eyes and the things that you could play with and ram men, you could make them ram into things and all that different stuff just separated it from the static toys, that, the dolls, right. they weren't dolls. This is action figures. Like this is almost more than any other line. I know some people would say star Wars, but like this is the line that transitions from being a doll to being an action figure. And so that helped separate it. And then there was just something about the voice work, something about the music and the intro and something about it where it was just like the, the Thundar stuff and the Herculoids and the black star and all that kind of stuff for me was more Conan, the barbarian type. It was more, almost in the vein of superheroes and I didn't gravitate towards superheroes back then because they just all seemed the same to me. So like this was something where I got to see something different and something crazy. And I don't know, it just was something that broke the mold for me. So I think that's what kind of made it stand out. Now it doesn't stand out as much as you get that other stuff going into it because obviously transformers did different things with the toys, masks did different things with the toys, et cetera, et cetera. Turtles try to do different stuff with the toys through, as you go through the eighties, maybe it blends more into a, the crowd, but in the beginning it really stood out about what came before it. You just going to say ditto. No, I mean, I, I agree with what you said. I, I just think it's animation has come so far in the last almost 40 years. Or, hell, let's just say the last 40 years from 82 to 2022. And the way animation is presented has changed. You look at Filmation, you look at He-Man and or She-Ra, either one. I'm Prince Adam, blah, 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 blah. Go through all of that. You get that entire opening theme. And then you get the title card. But you also get music on top of that. So, yes, you have the vocal slash instrumental theme for Filmation He-Man. But as soon as that's done, you get a title card to see what the episode title is. And maybe that's all you focused on was the title. Not you specifically, but in general. Not a lot of us as kids are focusing on how many episodes. May the man rest in peace. Larry Dottilio wrote for Filmation He-Man. But... That title card with that little jaunt of music. Got me so excited. And nowadays, it's kind of not there anymore because they've kind of switched about a decade or decade and a half or so ago. They switch to doing like a cold open and then a theme song and then something else or they whatever that sometimes some shows forego an entire theme altogether, like an opening credits thing. So it is what it is. What made Filmation stand out the most was because 
it was action-packed for both boys and girls. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the, the intro in and of itself is such a hook to get you in that. So it really was had a way of getting your attention for sure. Absolutely. Okay, Skeletor, don't go casting yourself in the new live-action movie, please. If the long-rumored live-action movie were to ever happen, what story would you want it to tell? Who do you think should play the role of He-Man? And why is or isn't it Chris Hemsworth? This question... This movie has been rumored for almost 40 years. There have been things happening, there have been things aren't happening... And you're of the opinion that Thor, of all people, needs to play He-Man slash Prince Adam. Yeah. Don't agree, but that's okay. That's because you're dumb. But um, here's the here's the situation. If this was a movie that was done legit with a real director, a legit director, quality director, and was done in the same vein as, let's say the Marvel cinematic universe where it's something that we're going to take something that's fantastical and we're going to try to put a spin on it and make it for a modern audience and make it believable and make it visual, visually appealing and this, that and the other. And it's all seriously done trying to be successful. There is nobody in Hollywood that looks more natural as he man. Like he literally looks like he man. So that would be, and he's a legit seasoned, actor that has done this type of stuff, then that's who we would get. Unfortunately, what we're going to get is we're going to get some second rate director because it's the only person that will take on the project for some reason. And then it's going to be some no named actor that may or may not be good, but he's not going to look like him. So that's my problem. Like it is right there in front of you. Like if you put a mug, if you did a lineup, like a police lineup, law and order style, (laughs) and you put all these different actors in there and you were to try to use a computer program and say, which one, like specifically from a science standpoint, which one matches the most features of He-Man? It is fucking Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) I'm going to let you have it, but my problem with Hemsworth is, is there's nothing to do with him. It really has nothing to do with him. What it has to do with is his portrayal of Thor in Thor one and two. Thor 3 is a little different, but Thor 1 and 2, I just can't deal. And again, as of this recording, I just recently rewatched Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. Now, if you want to put Chris Hemsworth, you know, at the end of his He-Man... I, I know this is not what you want, Kevin, but if you put... Chris Hemsworth as He-Man at the end of his career and basically used drunk Thor from those Avengers movies that I would pay to see. (laughs) Yeah, but I think you're associating too much of the character that he plays. Chris Hemsworth is an actor, so he can play other roles. Yeah, but... uh, So he's not going to play Thor. He's going to play He-Man. I haven't seen him in... He's an actor. He can do it. I haven't seen him in too many other good movies, though, besides... Well, fair enough. I mean, From a look standpoint, he's perfect. But how? And the girls would like it, so maybe they would go see it. Okay, so if this is live action and this is basically, let's just say it's 87-ish where it's He-Man all the time. So you're saying you want mm-hmm. him as He-Man all the time and no Prince Adam? Or you want somebody else? Because... Hollywood can do it so that he's Prince Adam too. That'd be a lot of CGI. 
I actually cast this whole live action movie on Cinema Geeks a long time ago, so you can search it on Google. I did the whole thing. I have perfect people for everybody. You remember what episode that was? Oh Lord, I'll try to find it by the end okay. of the show so that we can uh, get it in there. All right, final question, Mister Skeletor, sir. What is one piece of advice that you'd give the Motu fandom? And the Motu collectors in general. This question. Question 30. Wow. <laughs> Calm the fuck down. <laughs> yeah. I think I think the biggest thing for me is, and this has obviously came to big time awareness when Revelation came out, mm-hmm. that we really need to stop thinking that everything has to be exactly how it was in the past. So, like, just because it was this way or that way does not mean that it has to be that way. You can make minor tweaks. People can evolve. Characters can take on new tasks, new roles, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I think that's just something that we all need to, like, appreciate. And everybody needs to calm down right. when it comes to just a little, like you said, like a, the color of a sword or the fact that Tila was promoted to the man at arms or whatever. Things like that are just silly. Now, I get it. Sometimes if you completely change and make it so it's nothing like the original one, like the Netflix CGI does, where it's just like we're, there's no similarity between what that is and what He-Man has ever been, then, that, then I call it He-Man. I get that. But when it's just minor little tweaks and things like that, Everybody calm down. Like, they were freaking out because somebody got a haircut. I think the problem with specifically to Revelation, I'm going to put Revelation and Filmation in the ring. Basically, Rocky and Apollo in the ring, okay? The problem with Rocky is that you had a guy, we now live in the internet age. We've been living in the internet age. But you got a guy as a showrunner, whatever, in Kevin Smith that I get he's excited for it. I understand that. That's fine. Great. I want the showrunner to be excited about the show that they're doing. Just like I want a podcast host like myself or yourself or Steve Megatron or anybody to be excited about the podcast that they're doing. But if he would have just come out and said, Mattel owns this, we are going off of the toys that Mattel owns. Nobody ever would have said a damn thing about filmation rehash or filmation continuation or any of that stuff. But he didn't say that until after it had already been on Netflix. Right. But that's the, that, that's the problem is that people get so wrapped up in what they see in a poster, what they see on a trailer, what they see in a tease or what somebody says in an interview that they always have prejudged something before it ever actually happens. And like that part is just like infuriating because like you should actually see the thing. You should watch the thing before you've come to a predetermined, you know, course of action on what you think it's good or bad. And they do that all the time. And the sickening part about it these days is that it always goes on it always gets warped into some stupid political thing where you're either right or you're left or you're Trump or you're not Trump or you're Republican or Democrat. And they brought that into He-Man and that makes me want to punch people because it just has nothing to do with it. Like, so that's the problem. No. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, like I said at the beginning of this final question, everybody just please calm down just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. 
tiny bit. All right, so we are going to take a quick break. You're going to hear some ads and some other stuff for other shows that we do here on the network. For GeekCast Radio, you're probably going to hear some Spreaker ads and other stuff as well. And we're going to come back to close the show after this. Hello, geeks and geekettes. Looking for a podcast that covers a vast array of topics? Then check out Altered Geek Unleashed, where we discuss our thoughts on this week's geeky news, tech, gaming, television shows, movies, cartoons, comics, and more. So, get altered, get geeky with the Altered Geeks, every Friday on the GeekCast Radio Network. Because the world needs another movie podcast. The GeekCast Radio Network presents for your listening pleasure, The Cinema Geek. Hosted by Amanda, Kevin, Matt, and Dan. Each week we dive headfirst in the landscape of movies as we discuss movie news, play movie games, go in-depth on reviews, and even have a top ten countdown or two. Also, don't miss our director retrospective series where we review noted director's movies film by film. Bottom line is, if you love movies and love podcasts, you need to experience The Cinema Geek. You can find us on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, or GeekCastRadio.com. Do you like retro cartoons? Then Saturday Morning Rewind is the podcast for you. Join them each month as they talk about classic cartoons and interview legendary voice actors like Jim Cummings. I am the terror that flaps in the night. Corey Burton. Sometimes toys can be so funny. Rob Paulson. Sure, right, but... How are we going to find chaps our size? Nancy Cartwright and many more. Eat my shorts. So grab a bowl of Lucky Charms. They're magically delicious. Put on your hammer pants. Go to SaturdayMorningRewind.com. And be prepared to feel like a kid again. Once again, that's SaturdayMorningRewind.com. Saturday Morning Rewind was voted best podcast ever by its host, Tim Nidell. So it's gotta be good. So let's say you're looking for a podcast to your favorite 80s comic books, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Ninja Turtles, He-Man, etc. Where are you going to go to find us? Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Chuck. That's right, everybody. We're the Star Joes. We host a podcast called Star Joe's Podcast where we talk about your favorite comic books, your favorite toys of all the 80s properties. Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Mask, Thundercats, Voltron, you name it, we cover it. If it's in the 80s, we will we'll cover it at some point. Yes, yeah, so what you want to do to find us, you can go to iTunes, you can go to www.starjoes.com. And remember, the Force will be with you, because knowing us is half the battle. Discover a world of vintage and modern toys that's more than meets the eye with the Triple Takeover Toycast. Hosted by toy writers and photographers Toybox Soapbox, 60 and TF Square One, this informal and chilled out series of discussions cover everything from vintage Transformers to Mask, Diaclone, Microman and more, be it nostalgic or current. Whether you're a seasoned collector or a casual robot enthusiast, all are welcome. Triple Takeover Toycast. All right, folks, we are back here on the Powers of Grayskull series. And before we close, I wanted to look this up because I know this is a piece of news that happened back in December. 
sadly, as of December 2021, Mark Masters Universe designer Mark Taylor has passed away. I know this is old news, folks, but we haven't done an episode of this podcast in a long time. He was basically, you know, if you look at the first, like, ten minutes of the Powers of Grayskull documentary that we covered, he's in that talking about how He-Man and Conan and mixture of both. And he's basically the guy that, you know, he was credited with shaping much of the Motu aesthetic. And Turtles. And yeah, and turtles. So may the man rest in peace. I didn't want us to do this episode and not acknowledge that 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 guy passed away. We just keep. I, I know death is an everyday thing, but we just keep losing so many awesome, awesome, awesome people. So, with that being said, if you now that Kevin and I have our stories out there, if you would like to be on the Origins episode here at Pogs, send an email to feedback at keycastradio.com with the subject line Pogs Origins Guest Spot. You must have one year or more of podcast experience and have a decent microphone, please. I use Skype or Zencaster to record these. Anything else you want to say, Optimist Solo, before we get the heck out of here? Nope. Just bring on the live action movie, bring on the next season of Revelation, and uh, let that other thing die and fade away. Ladies and gentlemen, in the future, mixed in with these Origins episodes, we will be doing all five seasons of Netflix Shira and and the two seasons of the new show. Nice. At least I only have to Oh, hey, by the, by the time we get to it, it may have three five. seasons. I don't know. <laughs> be gone by the time it happens. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> so thank you for listening to us as we are the Powers of Grayskull series podcast here on the GeekCast Radio Network. If you'd like to get in contact with us, leave feedback for the show. There are several ways to do so. Visit the website, geekcastradio.com, where you can listen to and comment on all of our content. Here are all the ways you can listen to us nowadays, Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, any other podcatching client you choose to use. Follow us on Twitter at Geekcast Radio for the network at Pow of Grayskull for the show. I'm at TFG on Mike. What is your Twitter? At Optimus Solo. You also want to promote the other one you use? Um, not too much yet, okay. but be on the lookout for something called the Geek Showcase. It's going to come soon. You're going to be able to see a lot of vintage He-Man toys and things of that nature. Very cool. Very cool. Become a fan of Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash geekcast radio network. You can also search out Powers of Grayskull Pogs over there as well. I finally set up a, uh, a Facebook page for this show. We hope you enjoyed the Grayskull goodness today. And don't forget to join us in our next adventure when we will be doing something. I don't know. Comics, maybe. She-Ra, maybe. Comics, maybe. It might be. I, I don't know. It just depends on when we can actually record one of these things. Dun-dun-dun. So for now, I am TFG and Mike with... The one and only Optimus Solo. By the power and for the honor of Grayskull, we have the power. Amen. <laughs> but only now do they understand it was all for Skeletor. That'll teach you to fool around with magic. Curse you all! Once I've restored Evelyn and Faker, I'll be back to have vengeance! So swears Skeletor!